Thanks for listening to the River Claremont podcast. We pray you are encouraged by today's message. For more information or to stay connected with what's happening at the river, follow us on Facebook and Instagram at the River Claremont. I'm going to begin with one scripture this morning. We've been in a series called The Sons of God, uh, all leading up to Pentecost weekend here. You can turn with me to the book of Acts chapter 2. But we're not going to read what you think we're going to read just yet. We're going to skip down to verse 38. Hallelujah. Man, I tell you what, the 9 o'clock service was pretty fiery. So I'm just going to tell you guys, you better bring your Pentecostal A game this morning. You don't want to be the sleepy 11s, you know, the drowsy second servicers. You want to be on fire, you know what I'm saying? So give me a little Pentecostal woo. There you go. This side was pretty good. Give me a little woo over there. All right. How about the center? Give me the wah. All right. We're Pentecostal enough. If you don't have a good woo, the Lord will give you a woo today. Lord, I want a fresh woo. Only on fire people can do that. Religious people think it's stupid, but on fire people are like, woo. <laughs> yeah, we just we just look for an opportunity to shout, you know. It's like one person she shouted when I said about the offering. She's like, "Yeah!" <laughs> you know that's an awesome. People are like, "We need a volunteer in kids church." Yeah, that's a Pentecostal church. <laughs> All right, Acts thirty or two, verse two, verse thirty-eight. It says, "Peter replied, each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God.'" Be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Amen. This promise is to you, to your children, and to those far away, all who have been called by the Lord our God. Say it's for me. me. Just clarify this. Pentecost was not a one-time historic event based only in the upper room of Jerusalem. That is where it transpired first, but it continued to be poured out. Amen. We're living under an open heaven where the glory of God is available to a vessel that cries out with a surrendered heart saying, Jesus is Lord. I would like you to fill me afresh today. The Holy Ghost will fill you. Amen. Do you believe it? Say woo. Amen. So we just established that. This is it, man. Daily. If you read Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 4, Acts chapter 6, Acts chapter 8, all throughout. It's constantly speaking about the infilling of the Holy Spirit. So it's an ongoing process of your life to stay filled up with the things of God. Amen? So speaking about filling, you know the scripture where Jesus talks about, um, I believe it was Jesus, cast the devil out. It could have been Paul. I'm, I'm not remembering if it's a gospel or an epistle. Where you cast the devil out of someone and then the devil leaves and he says you got to get them filled with the Holy Spirit, or else they'll come back and find it swept, cleaned, and empty and bring seven more wicked spirits. You know that scripture? Joe, who is that? Did Jesus say it? I thought so. Thank you for confirming. You don't want to say Jesus said something like, dude, that was totally Mark. But Mark knew Jesus. It's like Kenneth Copeland said one time, he sat down with Oral Roberts, and Oral Roberts said, teach me everything you know about faith. And this is the Oral Roberts. He teaches him about faith, and Oral Roberts goes, that's good. The first time I use it, I'm going to give you credit for it. The second time, I'll say a friend of mine told me. The third time, it'll be mine. 
Amen? So Jesus said that to show you that you are, you're a vessel. You can be filled with many different things. You can be filled with anger. You can be filled with lust. You can be filled with indignation. You can be filled with wickedness. You don't think that the, some of the uh, those wicked people you read about did it just because they had a tough time in life. They got filled with something that is, was unholy. You don't become Hitler by, you know, having a bad day. <laughs> just woke up with a headache and that was it. You become Hitler because you get filled with things that are demonic. You become a serial killer because you get filled with something demonic. You become a Holy Ghost tornado because you get filled with the Holy Ghost. Come on. You become a vessel of the Lord when you get filled with the things of God. We are vessels. What we get filled with absolutely matters. Amen. So what are you filled with today? Or are you, do you feel drained? Do you feel empty? Do you feel dry? If you feel dry, then you got to stir yourself up and say, Lord, fill me afresh from on high once more. Let the oil of God pour down upon my life. Acts 5, 17 and 18 says the high priest rose up and all those that were with him, which is in the sect of the Sadducees. Uh, these are the opposers of Jesus. And they were filled with indignation and they laid their hands on the apostles and they put them in the common prison. So these guys were filled with indignation. Religion fills you up with dead things. Fills you up with excuses. It fills you up with reasons why the Lord's not doing things. But all of that Jesus wanted to get away with so that you would become a vessel that can be filled with the supernatural presence of the Lord. Uh, but I use this in the 9 o'clock. I'll use it again. Years ago, and some of you have heard this, I, I had the beautiful opportunity to go to Israel. And I wasn't one of the people that wanted to go to Israel um, but it wasn't like on my bucket list, but once I got there, I absolutely loved it because it's super, it's just, it's amazing to walk places that Jesus walked. Like you, I like history. So then you're there and you're like, this is mind blowing. Like Jesus was here, you know, that's old. How many people realize that's old? <laughs> it's like you go to uh, uh, the oldest part of America and they're like, this is so ancient. It was built in the 1500s. And you go to Israel and they're like, this dates back to about 4,000 BC. And you're like, that's old. <laughs> So we were there, and we were at the Pool of Siloam. This whole throwdown happens between a Jewish guy and a Muslim. They're, like, cussing each other, like, yelling at each other, and it's heating up to a fist fight. And I shamefully will say I absolutely got excited thinking I was going to get in a fist fight in Israel <laughs> with, with a Muslim. I'm like, this is it, man. Let's, I'm rolling up my sleeves. I'm telling my wife, hold my watch, you know. And I'm, I'm just filled with basically a contentious spirit. I was just angry. I got wrapped up in the entire thing. And then a brother of mine, a friend of mine that pastors in Texas, I mean, led by the Holy Ghost, grabs this Muslim guy and speaks a word of knowledge. You were abandoned as a kid from your father and have grown up feeling like you were not important enough. I'm here to tell you that your father in heaven loves you and he's been with you every step of the way. And to prove it to you, there's pain in your knee right now. He is going to take that pain away and you'll know that your father in heaven loves you. He lays hands on him. Dude starts crying. They hug one another. I mean, guy goes around hugging everybody and I'm sitting there totally convicted by the Lord because two seconds earlier, I was wanting to punch him in the face. Now he's hugging me and I feel conviction. Listen, you can be filled with a lot of things. Be careful about what you're letting fill you up. When the Lord says you got to love your enemy, that is not done through discipline. That is done through infilling of God. It's only by the love of Christ on the inside. How do you stand against these things? How do you make sure that you're walking the walk? How do you bring the fruit of the Spirit if you don't have the Spirit? you got to stay filled with the Holy Ghost. Amen. 
Ephesians 5 verse 15 through 19 says, See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Who would agree with that right now? Uh, And I was talking to my wife the other day, uh, just truthfully. I'm like, man, it just seems like every generation does feel like Jesus has to return very soon because it's so perverse. Um, But you just got to remind yourself, as one person said, in times like these, remember there's always been times like these. No man really knows when Jesus returns, but it definitely feels like he's got to return soon. Because it's bad right now. Do you agree with that? People people are losing their ever-loving minds. Hate. Is, is just taken over and people are so violent right now and you just pray, God, how do we as the church stand against this and make a difference? Amen? We got to do it. So understand what the will of the Lord is. The days are evil, but you're, to, you're called to redeem the time. Do not be drunk with wine, which is disp- dis- dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. How many times have you worshipped the Lord and made up a new song and just got lost in the Spirit? When's the last time you just were totally just just worshipping the Lord and the presence of the Lord filled the place and the atmosphere changed and you had an encounter with God and it was just you and Him, amen? If you're not doing that, you need to do that, right? You need to get a worship like set list up on your TV and go home kick your shoes off, close the door, and just get in the presence of the Lord until your arm hair is standing up, tears are falling, you don't know what time it is, you don't know what day it is, you don't know what's on Facebook, you don't know what's on Instagram, and all you know is the glory of the Lord is in your house. you got to stay in that place. Amen. The only way we will ever redeem the time is through the infilling of the Holy Spirit. Now, this scripture is so prevalent because oftentimes we focus on what we're not supposed to do. We're not supposed to touch this. We're not supposed to drink that. We're not supposed to go there. We're not supposed to watch this. And that is absolutely good because you're called to live a holy life. Holy life means abstaining from things of this world. If you don't know what abstaining is and walking away of things that the flesh likes, but you learn by the Spirit to walk away with, you're not living a holy life you got to learn how to walk away from those things. But if all that focusing of what not to do, never forget the simple thing you're called to do, which is be filled with the Spirit. Stay filled up. In the King James, it translates to be ye being filled. It's a continual infilling of the Holy Spirit. Because as you pour out, you want a fresh flow coming in. Amen? Stay filled up. If you, if you get, if you think about it, man, there's, There's so many believers that start out on fire for the Lord, but time erodes that passion. And believe it or not, I actually preached in this church before I was ever the pastor of this church. And and there was a guy in the church that was an elder in the church, and he pulled me in the back after I preached, and he said to me these words. He said, you are excited right now, but when you mature... You'll lose that, and you'll learn how to just walk with the Lord based upon faith alone. I didn't say anything to the guy who was an older guy, but in my spirit, I'm like, I rebuke that in Jesus' name. Absolutely not. You're not supposed to get dead, dry, shrivel up, and call yourself mature. Imagine saying that to a person on their wedding day. You're excited now. But you just wait. Ten years from now, you're wondering, how the heck did I get here? But by faith, you'll stay married, and you'll keep trucking. 
It's not about what you feel. It's not about, it's not about good times or bad times. It's going to be hell. Trust me, it's going to be hell. But you're married, and it's a good thing. Like, bro, why would you ever say that to someone? You just get ready. It won't last. That's basically what people live. That's religious. That's a religious spirit that comes to choke the life of Christ out of you and make you lose that passion like a little kid where you just need one good worship song and you're wooing and jumping. You know what I'm saying? Then mature people are like, "Mm, I don't know. It was kind of. Did we need it so loud? Did we need the lights low? Did the fans have to go? What's up with the LED lights? Who cares? Turn them all off, sit in the dark, turn on the sun, stand in the sun. If we're worshiping the king, worship the king. Give him all you got. Hallelujah. Man, don't let that passion be eroded because some moron told you you were too exuberant. Good grief. It's like someone pulling you aside. You just love your wife too much. Let me just warn you. It's going to go to her head. She's going to be happy. She's going to feel fulfilled. And then how are you going to keep that up for years to come? Trust me. Set the bar low. Then if you give anything, she's like, hey, better than nothing. Be filled. Be filled. And if you're going through a tough season, I'm telling you, one thing, ask people to pray for you, reach out to people, but there is no substitute to you going in your prayer closet, your living room, your whatever, and you turn on worship, and it's you and God, and you get undignified. Come on, if you haven't thrown clothes in the air and shoes out there and sweat pouring, then are you worshiping the Lord, you know? You say, well, I don't do that in church. That's fine. In church, you can go like, no, 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 no. But at home, get to be a David. Worship the Lord until you feel the fire of heaven coming on you. Until you're shaking on the ground and you're like, this is an encounter with God. Until you're seeing things you weren't seeing and hearing the voice of the Lord. Until scripture's popping on the inside of you like a firebomb. Hey! And you're just scratching the surface. And God says, be filled. Not get a trickle, get a drop, have a dose. Just be filled. Amen? Amen? Overflowing. So if you're feeling defeated, you need to be filled up. And listen, why it's so important to stay filled up with the Holy Ghost is scripturally, truthfully, eternally, you are defeated if you're not filled with the Spirit. It's only by the infilling of the Holy Spirit that you walk in victory. In fact, you're lifeless because you're dead until you get filled with the, Holy, the life of Christ through the Holy Spirit. So you're walking around like a zombie, totally subjected to anything the enemy wants to put you through and put your family through. But when you get filled with the Holy Ghost, there's something on the inside of you that you call the devil on what he's trying to do and you stop him in his tracks. Amen? Hallelujah. Get that infilling. Stay filled up. Or else you'll slip quietly into the night of eternity and your life will mean nothing. Or you can live on fire for God and make a difference in this life. Come on, somebody. Ezekiel 37 gives us the example of the dry bones. And there's a lot of people that are dry bones, man. Everything, it's like they started out fine. They were a warrior, but now they're just in the valley of the shadow of death and they stayed too long in that valley. You know what I'm saying? I mean, every preacher preaches this. When you're going through the valley of the shadow of death... 
keep going. But we get stuck sometimes. We get in these tracks. We listen to the wrong advice. We go the wrong way. We don't stay filled up. We get depleted. We get dry. We get ran down. We get, we get to where everything becomes labor intensive. And living the Christian walk becomes harder than it is free. You know, it's like all about the struggle of being a believer and people mock you and persecution comes and you get tired of the persecution and you're tired of being made fun of and you get, you know, shamed for the fact that you believe tongues is still today and shame for the fact that you lay hands on the sick and shame for this fact to where it just makes you dry up and you just get crusty, dried up, crusty, dried, you know, just dead bones. And it's so important because you read this, this powerful bit of scripture, because when the Lord shows up in the valley of of the dry bones and he looks at the prophet he's not the one that just says watch what I'm going to do and then does it he tells the man you need to prophesy so if you're going through a dry season you got to attach your mouth to the supernatural flow of God on the inside and you got to speak out in that moment until you get heaven flowing back in your life amen you can't let someone else do it. You've got to rise up and prophesy, I will be filled. The Lord is with me. The God is on my side. Supernatural things are going to transpire. Amen. You know, just the other day, that's, this is just popping in me. We lost several, a lot of money last year for us in, this, in a deal. And it was like an investment deal. We lost it all. I and mean, it was just like super bummer when you lose five digits of money. You're like, ugh. Like, God, do you even care about me? Uh, and the other day I was driving into work and the Spirit of God came on me and I just started prophesying to it. Then I told my wife, I was like, we need to prophesy over that. That money's got to come back in. The, the devil can't steal from us. We're prophesying. Literally five minutes later, my phone rings and it's like, we're sending it to you right now. And then by the time I got here for the midweek thing of the small groups, money was already hitting my account. Come on, speak it out. Speak it out, people. Don't let that heaviness come upon you. Don't let that junk come. Just speak out the exact opposite. Say, no, no, there's a fire in you. You know there's a fire in you. And if, if your spouse is going through hell, poke their buttons till you wake that fire up and then turn them loose to the Lord. My wife will do that. If I start getting grumpy, she doesn't pat me on the back. She starts pushing the buttons. You need to do that. And then I'm like... That fire lit, so you go and just deal with the Lord. And you go in there and you take care of it. It says, speak to these dry bones. Prophesy that they will live again. Come on. Got to open your mouth. Victory is not found by the person that sits quietly in the corner. Victory is found by the man that shouts the victory. Says, come hell or high water. God is on my side and if the Lord be for me, who can be against me? Come on. Hey. It's not the hour of defeat. It's the hour of the eternal victory of the church for the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Jesus. America's lost. America's not lost. America is prime for a move of God. Hey, somebody. All the nations of the world are watching and waiting. for The, the Bible says all creation is groaning and travailing. They are waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God. And as we were worshiping today, the story of Samson just, just shook me. With one basic phrase popped in my spirit. One more time. 
One more time. That's what he said. He lost it all. He messed up, but he looked to the heavens and he said, God, one more time. You give me the anointing one more time and I will take out the enemy more than ever. And I felt that in my spirit that today we need to prophesy. There's been a first, there's been a second, but there's coming a third great awakening. God, we are asking for one more time. May the breath of heaven breathe upon this land. May the glory of God be revealed to this generation. May the fire of the Holy Ghost fall fresh in this place. Jesus! 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 One more time! One more time! Ramamande! Jesus! 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 You say it's impossible. That's why we gotta prophesy! Impossible situations should be attractions to children of God because they look at it and say, this takes the Lord. I'm filled with the Lord. I'm going after this. Man, I feel fire. Jesus. Whoa. <laughs> Hallelujah. High five your neighbors. Say, be filled. I feel the fire of the Holy Ghost in this place today. None of this is in my notes, but it's pretty good. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Come on, let him feel you right now. Fresh wave. Jesus. Man, it's coming. It's coming. It's coming, coming, coming like a freight train. There's not anything on this earth that can stop the move of God. I tell you, God has been positioning people across the nations of the world. And though the devil is sleeping and thinking he's got this generation locked up, but God says one more time, there's going to come a release of the glory of God. The gifts of the Spirit are coming upon my bride. They're going to say, they're going to do the supernatural. Jesus. Jesus. Stadiums will be filled with people crying out to the Lord. People will be drawn to His presence. Those that have resisted will find themselves being drawn like a moth to a, to a light, to the glory of God. And every wall, every wall of their heart will come down because the anointing of the Lord upon the bride of Christ will pierce through the darkness and every hard heart and bring the love of God, the power of God. And there's coming a harvest of souls that this world cannot even begin to count. Jesus. Jesus, if you believe it, take 10 seconds and give the Lord glory. Thank you, God. You're mighty and you're strong. Your word never returns void. It always accomplishes that which it was sent to do. Jesus. 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 Job, Job, come here. You said to me one time, from a pure heart, 
You said to the Lord, you don't want to, you said, God, if I'm not a major part of what you have going on in the world, then you can just go ahead and take me to heaven. But God says, you're still here because you're a major part of what I'm about to do. The hand of the Lord is upon you. Faithfulness has been found in you. You've been measured and you've been found worthy. And the glory of the Lord upon your household is taking you to another realm this year. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Major, major, major things in the spirit. Man, I'm like, I'm busting right now. It's like, I just feel like, man, I see like the hand of the Lord connecting all sorts of stuff. He's not been asleep. He has not been dreaming. He's not been waiting. He's been actively moving through the bride. Some of you have already been used and positioned and didn't even realize you were being positioned. Jesus. There's a bit of scripture in Matthew 25 that's so important for us as the church to realize it applies to us. Matthew 25 talks about Jesus says there's five foolish and five wise virgins. You know he's talking about the bride because he uses the term virgins. He's talking about the church. And you read that and you don't let yourself get shook by that when you realize Jesus is saying half of the church thinks they have what it takes, but they don't have the oil to make it through a midnight hour. That if they go through tough seasons, they buckle and they fail. And only half of them have the oil that it takes to get through the midnight hour. Guys, America is in a dark hour right now. So do you have enough oil to make it through the midnight hour? Do you have enough oil? What is filling your thoughts? Is thoughts of just pain and hurt? Or is there a victory that is just brewing on the inside of you? Is there an anticipation where in the midst of all this groaning and travailing, you're seeing the hand of God and you know this is the time for the church to take ground like never before. I see the handiwork of the Almighty and racism won't destroy this nation. Hate won't destroy this nation because I'm bringing a love from on high that'll break every chain and every yoke that the devil tries to put on this generation. I call forth the mighty men and women of God. May every chain be broken. Jesus, we're going through a dark hour. Do you have enough oil to make it through the dark hour? Have you fallen asleep and sitting in the dark or do you have that lamp burning? Burning, burning, burning till the morning light. Jesus, the only thing that fuels that lamp is the Holy Ghost. You can't fake this. You can't act excited. You got to have it. Jesus. And it's so holy. And when he moves, you find yourself crying and laughing, shaking and still. It's like you know, like the divine providence of God, the sovereign move of heaven is looking for a generation. And we say, God, let this generation be the bride that gains your eye. I thought about that last night as I'm prepping, just God dealing his perfect plan through imperfect people with absolute free will that we can choose at any moment to follow him and then change our mind. There's even the the scripture about two sons and one says, I'll do it and doesn't do it. And the other one says, I won't do it and then changes his mind. And God's got to have the wisdom to look through all the chasm of time and find out can his perfect plan be brought to pass by imperfect, ever-changing people. And I thought about that even lining up for the day of Pentecost. 
How long did the Lord strategize for that moment when heavens ripped open and the glory of God came down and the bride of Christ took her place as the child of the Most High God filled with his presence? How long did he plan for that moment for all the pieces from Mary and, 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 and Joseph and, and Peter and all these people that had to be a part of a web that seemed like the enemy himself didn't even realize what was happening. It was so far-fetched he thought, I'm winning this thing. I'm taking Jesus out. I've got the victory. And then in the midst of this, God spends it in 50 days after he rose. The power of the Holy Ghost is brought about into the world. And from that day forward, the enemy has been struggling to hold on. But the church continues to arise. She continues to take ground. She continues to walk through the valleys and not be taken out. Because Jesus is on the inside of the bride. And even when we know in part and prophesy in part, still we walk out a perfect plan because it's God's plan. You just think about that. What does heaven have for you? Man, it's not about I go to Pentecostal church where people clap and run around the place. That's awesome. Do that. If you can find a church like that, stick it out, baby. But it's not just about that. It's about the fact that in those moments, there's something being implanted and poured into you that is powerful, that is pure, that is holy, transforms lives, breaks the back of the enemy. Do you know this? The enemy has a plan. His plan is to bring slavery, bring brokenness. Everywhere you see the wicked. You ever thought about this? Just truthfully. You look at, you walk down a, a big major city where there's a bunch of strip clubs and bars and stuff. It's always ran down, beat up, because that's the fruit of the, the enemy. Everywhere he is, is just people being broken. Strung out, lost, hopeless. But then you go somewhere where a church is on fire and you can see the handiwork of God in the neighborhood. Where people that don't even realize it are living in the blessing of God because the shadow of the Almighty is covering them like Psalm 91. And you think, man, the church doesn't realize who she is. We don't realize that we're, we're ground, we're territory takers. You can put us in any place you want to put us. You can put us in the heart of the hardest, toughest most poverty stricken country and a child of God will rise up and create a movement there where the glory of God is being poured down and people are breaking out of junk because it's real say it's real. it's real it's real it's real these things aren't made up they're not some modern take on ancient scripture so that we could build a denomination it's the reality of the kingdom of God that one man full of the Holy Ghost one woman full of the Holy Ghost can turn the world upside down and God is looking for that today. Amen? Amen? Do you have enough oil to make it through? How do you get filled up? Is maybe the good question. You get filled up by staying in the Word. You get filled up by being in a church like this when worship goes long and the preacher pours with sweat and someone runs around the place and someone goes to high five you and say, be filled and misses and slaps your forehead and says, that's it. It's the Lord anyways. Just take it. You get it by being around people that go to pray about 
about giving out food and suddenly the presence of the Lord fills the place and people start prophesying. You get it around those people, the people that are driving down the road and suddenly, man, the glory of God fills their truck and you're like, what's happening right now? And it's like God's got a supernatural mission for us. That's what's about to happen. You get it by being around those people. You can choose. You choose. You either be around people full of dead things or be around people full of life. I choose life. I've said before you today, blessing and cursing, life and death. Therefore, choose life, says the Lord. It's your choice. It's your choice. I was reading this last night. I want to read this today. Numbers chapter 11. Put in context what I'm about to read. This is when the Israelites came out of Egypt. and They were being led by Moses into the prophesied promised land that they had yet obtained. And the Israelites are really just like us. They complained a lot. <laughs> Doesn't matter what the Lord does, there's always something to complain about. You know what I'm saying? He heals your leg and you're like, well, my toe still hurts. <laughs> you know? He gives you a job, but you don't like the pay. You know? Whatever. There's always super, you know. So these guys, you know, they're brought out of slavery, but they're actually saying, I want to go back to slavery because at least they're. We were slaves. I mean, basically, there's no, there's no really good way to put it, but they thought it was good. You know what I'm saying? And so they're actually complaining. Just before this, they, they say to the Lord and to Moses, you know, we're so sick and tired of manna. You know what manna means? Manna means what is it? So literally, they called it what is it because it just rains down from heaven. They make cakes out of it, and they were just eating it forever. Imagine eating the same thing for years. You get it. You know you get it. I had Chick-fil-A so much in college, it took the Lord to supernaturally break that off of my life before I could eat it again. I fasted for 40 days, and it reset my couch, and I was like, Chick-fil-A, I hear you, Lord. But I ate it every day in college. You eat something every day for years, you start grumbling, and that's what they did. So I'm just saying that to show you, we could all sit here and be critical over the Israelites, but you would have done the same thing. And they were like, manna, ugh, we want meat. And so the Lord says to Moses, basically prophesy to the people, I'm going to give them so much meat, they're going to eat meat until they're sick of it. Yeah. And Moses is like, Lord, even if we slaughtered all the cattle, there's not that much meat. So instantly Moses starts trying to figure out how to help the Lord with his plan. <laughs> and nobody does that here. <laughs> but it's instantaneous. God, I mean, even if I killed all the cows, there's not enough cows. But he didn't know that the Lord was going to make quail literally just hover three feet above the ground so he can walk up and grab the quail, bash its head, and eat him. You know, that's supernatural. People are like, ew, you eat chicken. Go see how they kill chickens, people. It's not humane. They're not going into a spa with a massage and a lethal injection to go to sleep. So the Lord says to Moses, prophesy, Moses argues, so this is what the Lord says. He says, gather before me 70 men who are recognized as elders and leaders of Israel. Bring them to the tabernacle to stand there with you. I will come down and talk to you there, and I will take some of the spirit that is upon you, and I will put the spirit upon them also. They will bear the burden of the people along with you so that you will not have to carry it alone. This is the Old Testament, but we can see right here, the Holy Spirit comes upon us because there's a supernatural task at hand. And Moses actually was complaining to the Lord saying, man, I'm tired of dealing with these people. I didn't birth them. Why do I have to be responsible for them? It's like the kid that always shows up at your house because he's friends with your, your kids. And you're like, like I have like a, another kid. 
which we don't have that, but our kids would like that if they had that. My kids, my kids always want eight people there. Can't we have the whole church over? No. Like, we want to take a nap. Why? You're always wanting to take a nap. It's because I live with you. My mom had that, though. I would bring people over to my house because we were a dairy farm, so we always had beef. I would bring, like, tw- 12 friends over. My mom's always, like, just cooking massive pots of beef, just beef stew, beef chili. And people would always want to come to my house because if you go to their house, you would eat and be hungry because as a teenage boy, you can eat a lot of cow. <laughs> so I had that. My mom, poor mom finally was like, wow, do you have to bring so many people over all the time? Well, they don't want to go anywhere else. We... We get fed here. <laughs> and Moses is complaining, saying, I'm tired of dealing with the Israelites. They're, they're not my kids. Why do I have to take them to the land you promised to take them to? That's what he says. You promised it. Why do I got to be responsible for it? This is good stuff. This is like ministry 101 right now. Lord, I said I'd do anything, but I didn't really mean it. That was just something we said on that day, God. I didn't really mean to, you know, walk it out. And so he's complaining, but the, the Lord speaks and prophesies to him, fine, get 70 people. I'll take from the Spirit upon you, and I'll disperse it to them, and every one of them will prophesy now. So actually, you keep reading, all 70 of those people prophesied the same thing Moses did. There's coming meat from on high. So Moses didn't have to carry the whole burden himself because people were already hating Moses. The quail showed up, they ate, and then a plague came and killed a lot of them. Because the Lord was upset with them. (laughs) Don't anger the Lord. Amen. So moral of the story is the Holy Spirit comes to equip us for a supernatural task. That's why I said it's not just about running around a building. It is about the fact that God comes to fill you with his presence because there's a burden for this generation that you got to carry to see the move of God come to pass. How do you love people that hate you? How do you stand against these things if you aren't equipped by the Holy Spirit on the inside to stand and carry something that maybe you're not responsible for? How do you make a difference in something that you weren't the one to blame about, but you still march through there and change the culture of the nations of the world? That's what we're looking at. A move of God changes the culture of the nation, or the heavenly culture becomes the culture of the nation. Amen? That's what we're asking the Lord for. So the Holy Spirit, today is Pentecost Sunday. The Lord will fill you afresh. And with that comes a supernatural equipping and responsibility to carry something for this generation that makes a difference as long as you're walking this earth. Who says, I'm okay with that? The Lord has a plan, and he's looking for vessels that will make themselves available. Turn with me to Acts chapter 2. We'll read at the start of it. Of course, it is Pentecost Sunday. So you can't have Pentecost Sunday without reading this. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place, and suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm. It filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them, and everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other tongues as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. Verse 16, now... What you see was predicted long ago by the prophet Joel. Peter stands up and preaches. 
In the last days, says God, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. And in those days, I will pour out my spirit even on my servants, my men and women alike, and they will prophesy. Say prophesy. prophesy. One more time. Prophesy. No, I said one more time. <laughs> the whole <laughs> people are like prophesy prophesy no one more say one more time prophesy <laughs> what's my tattoo say dude <laughs> sweet anyways i only know that because i wasn't safe when that movie came out <laughs> but the lord has done a great work amen <laughs> Supernatural dreams and visions. Say dreams and visions. God wants to open your eyes to the supernatural realm. The Holy Spirit comes to literally just blow your mind with the reality of what is transpiring everywhere around you right now. The truth of the realms of the Spirit. The authority that a believer carries. The fact that the demonic is real and its strongholds in people's minds. And the supernatural equipping from heaven to change and break those chains off of people's lives. Dreams and visions. Come on, somebody. When is the last time God took you into something out of this world? When's the last time you lost track of time in the presence of the Lord? When's the last time you saw something that words are difficult to even explain what transpired? This is what happens to the children of God. Paul said it. I, whether in the body or out of the body, I don't know. But it was, I was caught up into the third heavens. I was caught up in the supernatural realms of God. John said, I was, I was, times of refreshing come in the presence of the Lord. That's supernatural of the presence of the Lord upon you. And I remember tracking back even about desiring this. I remember in Bible school hearing about men and women of God that the Lord would wake up in the midnight hours at 3 a.m. and speak to them, just supernatural downloads. You'd hear these testimonies. And I remember being, being a, a student in school, and I'm like, God. I want that. So I did what they said. I went and bought a notebook and I got a pen. And I mean, I had the whole thing ready and I put it there, made a spot by my bed. And I'm like, yes, tonight there's coming a dream from heaven. And I went to bed and I woke up and it was 7 a.m. And I felt like a backslidden, just hypocrite. <laughs> my gosh. Every night I asked the Lord for a dream and a vision. And every night I would wake up at 7, 6, whatever time to work. So then I realized I have, I have to help the Lord. Every testimony I hear, it's at 3 a.m. that people get a download. So I set my alarm clock for 3 o'clock in the morning. Me, 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 me. I woke up and I'm like, Lord, is that you? Lord, what are you, what are you at? And then I was back out again. And then I'd wake up at 7 and I'd be like, God, why can't I have dreams and visions? And I'm pleading with the Lord, you know. I'm like, God. I want this. And I'll never forget one night when it felt like a defibrillator just shocked my chest. And I shot up wide awake. And it was like a, it was like a matrix moment. I had such download about the Holy Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit, the supernatural anointing, how these things are all one. They're not separate topics. That everything, when you get baptized with the Holy Ghost, you have access to the entire realms of God. It's learning how to just submit to that entire realm of God. And it was like, it was just this whole breakdown of blow. I mean, I wrote page after page of notes that I still 
preach today. And this was when I was in Bible school. See, the reality is, is God's looking to do that in your life. He's looking for revelation to just pop like popcorn on the inside of you, where things become absolute to you, not just, so I heard this once and I taught this, like Oral Roberts. First time, I'll give you credit. Second time, I'll say a friend. Third time, it's mine. It needs to be yours. You with me right now? When you read the word, it's got to be your promise. It's got to be your reality. This is what heaven's doing in you and through you regularly. It's the Holy Spirit that comes to equip the church. And if I could get the band back up, we're going to close and worship, and I'm going to pray for people today. But it says your, your sons and daughters will prophesy, your young men will see visions. And back to Numbers chapter 12, back in the Old Testament, I read this last night, but really, I don't know that I'd ever really, it had never jumped out to me before, but basically Miriam and Aaron challenged Moses and were trying to take, I guess, power over the Israelites because they said, who's Moses that he was chosen? And the Lord rebukes them, and this is what the Lord says to him. He says, now listen to what I say, Numbers chapter 12, verse 6. If there were prophets among you, I, the Lord, would reveal myself in visions and I would speak to them in dreams. Amen? Now, we're talking about the infilling of the Holy Spirit. We're talking about the reality that God does nothing except he first reveal it to his prophets. And God is definitely on the move across the nations of the world right now looking for an on-fire bride that will know their part. But watch what he says. But not with my servant Moses. Of all my house, he is the one that I trust. And I speak to him face to face clearly and not in riddles he sees the Lord as he is so why were you not afraid to criticize my servant Moses and tell you something church we have a better covenant than Moses Moses couldn't stand with the blood of Jesus he stood with the blood of bulls and goats and God still found in Moses a heart so pure he would stand face to face with him when I read that I thought of the prophecy of Joel, dreams and visions, but God's showing us in his scripture, man, there's a select people that I trust so much that I don't deal with them in obscure manners, dreams and, and, and convoluted or convoluted manners, parables. I deal with them face to face and I speak directly to them. And I just thought about that, man. When's the last time you really worshiped the Lord and just were in his presence saying, God, I just want to see you. I just want to see you. I want to look in your eyes that are like fire. Like John said, man. When are those moments going to be a part of your story? And maybe you've had them, maybe you haven't. But today as we pray, Father, we just thank you. Holy Spirit for truly supernatural encounters today and in this room there are men and women some have paid a price to serve you some have given up things to walk closer to you they've been the example of drawing near to you so that you would draw near to them so today as we pray Heavenly Father we thank you that the heavens are open that they're not closed as your word declares and your spirit pours out afresh today once more, may the glory of the Lord quicken and fill every vessel here. And Holy Spirit, may you show yourself to those of pure hearts, pure motives.
and desires, God. We thank you for what you're doing in America today. And we thank you, God, that the doors would be open for the bride of Christ to continue to walk through this nation and bring the healing power of God to this generation. We prophesy that supernatural things will become the normal part of our life. We will see the supernatural things of heaven regularly. People will be healed. Eyes will be opened. Deaf ears will hear. Broken hearts will be healed. Those shut off from pain and abuse will be set free from those things. Those that have been bound up by addiction will be set free from the bride. That the glory of God would sweep across this nation. Lord, we thank you even now for all the men and women you've positioned across this land. We thank you, Lord, that we are all unified by one thing, your presence. That you're the one that gives instructions and you're the ones that fills the bride. So, Lord, we are a part of something big. We thank you, Lord, that even though we don't know the entire plan, we don't know everything, we know that we can trust you. And our, 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 our cry, God, is may the world be at a better place than it was. If you tarry, when we check out, may we have left the world better than we found it. May we have made an impact for eternity. If the apostles of old could turn the world upside down, then, Lord, you can turn it upside down with us today. Thanks for listening to the River Claremont Podcast. If you'd like to partner with us in seeing lives touched and changed by the love and power of Jesus, you can give online at www.riverclaremont.com. Your prayers and financial support are changing lives.